Welcome to the Time Traveling Team, the weekly podcast where we review every story of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Paddy. And I'm Trisha. In today's special Random in the Titus, we're going to take a look back at the very long reign of the fourth Doctor as portrayed by Tom Baker. As always with these ramblings, we'll be talking about his strengths and his weaknesses. We'll also be listing what we think are his best and worst stories. And we'd also love to hear your thoughts on Doc Tom. So in order to join your discussion, sorry, in order to join the discussion with us, you can just message us at Time Team. That's T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or X. I still keep calling it Twitter, but I don't care. I'm too old. I'm too set in my ways. And Instagram or you can email us at Time Traveling Team or TeamProductions.com. Time traveling team at teamproductions.com, not uh, or teamproductions.com. <laughs> isn't a thing, it doesn't exist. Damn it, it should be. It should uh, feel free. We we own the domain, my love. Feel free yeah. to go and create it. I don't have fucking time for that shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I don't know about you, but this was a particularly difficult rambling. Oh, this I, was so hard. I, I didn't I did make a mistake last week. It's if you're counting Shada, it's forty two stories, not forty four. Which like we I are. Said. So yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. forty two, and like his strengths and weaknesses, they're easy. That was the easy quotient part of it for me. But then going back through, uh, he was he was all right in this one. He wasn't that bad in this one. He was good, but he wasn't great. And it was just like, oh, Christ. So it was it was difficult. I had a plan when we started doing Tom. But it's one of these plans that I had for like five seconds. And then my brain just was like, nope. Um, which is, I should have been keeping like a stacked ranking of Tom's episodes as we were going. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many of them. Because to be honest, there were certain stretches where they all kind of just blend together. Blend together. <laughs> I, I can just imagine like, you doing a sort of like a, a Bruce Forsyth's Price is Right. Is it higher than this one? No, it's not. Is it higher? <laughs> do you know? To be honest, it's more. It's more to do with the conveyor belt where I'm like, okay, knife set, microwave, cuddly toy. <laughs> I forget like half the generation the game was on it. Um, so it's a much more generation game than than prices yeah, right. Price um, right. Or player cards right. Player cards right. That was Brucey's one. It was player cards yeah. right. Uh, Brucey bonus and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I th- but even I'll be honest. Even the strengths and weaknesses because he has such a long run. Mm. Identifying definitive strengths and weaknesses was actually quite hard. Not impossible, and certainly not. You know, we, I'm sure we've had characters who it's been harder to pin them down, but that's usually because the character is underdeveloped. But Tom, he's also he's almost too developed. <laughs> and I, I, you know, yeah, because like with Tom, I'd say probably more so than any of the guys that have come before. Tom has like three distinct errors you can actually mm-hmm. bump them into. There's the there's the Philip Hinchcliffe era. There is the oh, Ed, the Graham guy Edward. who came after was it Graham Edwards. Is that it? Like, Graham Williams. I, Graham Williams. You have his era, and then you have the John Lane Turner era, and you can put them into those distinct buckets. Like Hartnell did have the the Verity Lambert era, and then the John Wiles stuff that came afterwards. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, so like you're then kind of so with those changes of errors, Tom's personality and his personal issues, I think, come into it a small bit. Mm. Just just a small bit, but you can you can see that they're there. He does maintain that level of acting ability that we discussed, you know, which is um Ad, he, the doctor's relationship with Adric he is able to do that for the most part but sometimes you can see it slip through a bit yeah I would say as well it's also a case of like not only does he have three hours in terms of like the way the show was run mm-hmm. but also Tom's like the fourth doctor's interactions with each of his companions because A with the exception of Harry it's all female companions and up to Adric which is you know we had it with John, but John had a shorter run. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have, you know, the fourth Doctor with Sarah, with Harry for part of it. Then you have the fourth Doctor with Leela, and then a little bit of Romana 1. And then you've got the fourth Doctor, Romana 2, leading into the end. Mm-hmm. And how he is with each of those companions, we see a different Doctor in it because the way he behaves changes ever so slightly there's certain things that keep through which i'm sure will come up in our strengths and weaknesses but how certain things are expressed changes a bit depending on which one he has whereas someone like john was fundamentally the same for all of Mm -hmm. them yeah do you similarly with patrick and with bill was fundamentally Mm -hmm. the same yeah with all of his companions um -hmm. yeah like you know Patrick got along better with Jamie. Um, you know, Bill had a different relationship with Barbara, but fundamentally, how he expressed himself was the same. The I was, th- I was thinking back over it, and oh, also, I think we should include K nine, uh, yeah. in in terms of the relationship with the Doctor. Whether you want to say that's a male a male relationship or just a mm. a different type of relationship he has, um, yeah. but I was thinking back on it, and just to kind of go back with Bill's thing. Bill's Bill's whole entire run, if you think about it, is a huge arc in and of itself. Because he starts Mm -hmm. off with the cantankerous old man, who then becomes this very learning, avuncular, slash paternalistic character. Mm -hmm. And then he experiences heartbreak when everyone Mm -hmm. that he knows leaves. And then it's him growing used to the fact that this is like I'll I'm a wanderer now and I'll pick them up and I'll drop them off and that'll just be the way of it. Mm. Whereas with Tom's side of things, um Tom's thing was that he stopped wanting to pick them up. He found yeah. the, the he found the people that he was happy with. Yeah. And then there was I don't think he let anyone else in to the same mm. extent. He would he had warm warm aspects of relationships with people i know that we've kind of gone into the strengths and weaknesses side of things now but i think it's a good discussion to have uh he would let them in so far but he he wouldn't let them in the same way that he had let i suppose the elephant in the room is sarah jane yeah yeah um which which is a shame because i think looking back over our reviews of his post sarah jane error uh, sorry era it's we were very happy for the times that he was pally and chummy and laughing with mm. the companions 
and it just got really annoying when he went back to being like this standoffish condescending asshole yeah. you know yeah so with that in mind let's just jump into it uh, you know properly so yeah yeah the way it goes is we discuss the characters weaknesses from our opinion from our perspective rather and mm-hmm. then we discuss their strengths mm-hmm. and then we try to identify usually we do three occasionally we do an honorable mention but usually we do yeah. three what we think are their three worst stories mm-hmm. and then what we think are their three best stories i do want to stress something just because of like how long of a run tom has had i think something too important to stress is that like the three best and worst stories don't necessarily mean that the stories were terrible and they mm-hmm. don't mean that the stories were fantastic. It's that this character in mm-hmm. those stories, it was a good story for them or it was a bad story for them. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the two things do line up. The uh, The story is shit and the character in the story was shit. Sometimes the story was great, the character in the story was great. But occasionally you have a really shit story, but mm-hmm. it's a favorite of ours for a particular character. For yeah. whatever reason it, it's it's very rare that like we just find an absolute drag of a story where everyone is terrible the closest probably would have been the gunfighters yeah closest <laughs> but, but but we but we don't talk about the gunfighters no we so. we don't but like we said that the i think the sole diamond in that rough is is bill yeah. is yeah so yeah. yeah but we don't talk about the gunfighters yeah and actually i'm going to say it now a, so that we don't forget, but B, just put a little bit of suspense out there. Mm-hmm. At the end, this is the exit of a doctor, so we will need to do mm-hmm. our 4321 of yes. currently, <laughs> how do we rank them? Yes, yes. I've been looking forward to this since, <laughs> I have been looking forward to this since about halfway through Bill's run. When it was obvious I'd fallen just madly in love with him, and uh, absolutely, I know <laughs> I'll I was. Defend, I, no, I'll defend was, his little Yoda self to my dying yeah, day. I was no, I'll I was curious about halfway through the run. Then mm-hmm. when we finished, I was like, I cannot wait for this this particular rambling. But let's get into the meat and potatoes, as it were. So, you did socials today, my friend. Yes. So you get to take point. Mm-hmm. So. Fourth Doctor, as portrayed by Tom Baker. Weaknesses, please. So, one thing that I actually, I noticed is that in terms of personality, Mm. there's an awful lot of the second Doctor in the fourth Doctor. There can be, yeah. Yeah, I I think more so than, and we've talked before about the, like the character's true line, the characteristic true line, like from all of them, like that they all have, certain idiosyncrasies that are just yeah that's the doctor be it two ten six whatever but like there are times where tom's doctor and as much you know as like you know we we enjoy and love tom's doctor there are times where he is a complete prick Mm. and it's very hard to deny it like he's very condescending to his companions at times I think specifically those that he doesn't view to be as intelligent as others. Mm. Looking like, looking specifically at Harry and Leela, you know? Like, Harry, we would kind of joke about that he's just trying to 
cut Harry down a peg or two because of Harry's old fashioned sensibilities, you know, mm. but they did get, there does come a point where it's like, you're laying it on a bit thick, you know, and yeah. it's, and Harry as kind of old hand as he was that, and even like, you know, me would kind of go, oh, Jesus, Harry, would you just shut the fuck up? I'm like, no, he doesn't deserve the level of passive aggressiveness you're, you're giving him. And then when it came to Leela, like we talked before, like it really got on my nerves when he would just call her savage and treat her poorly. And it just, it just wasn't fair because Mm -hmm. just because she doesn't have the same skills or, you know, higher intelligence that you do, how many times has she pulled your ass out of the fire? Yeah. And she, she has a lot. Um, Also, and we, in another comparison to the second doctor is he doesn't like being the smartest person in the room as is evidenced by both versions of Romana. Although I think maybe more with Romana one, I think maybe more with Romana one. I think so. Definitely like, like the beginning, like with robot separation and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Or which was it? Was it pirate planet was the one about like the, the proper landing, like the proper way to land a type model. Or a Type Forty Tardis, and she might was going. You might be going by the guidebook, um, but not just her. Um, I mentioned him earlier on. K nine, mm. he, he really didn't like it when K nine was the one that would. And because I read it recently, uh, the fact that when K nine repeatedly pointed out that all the, the chess strategies that the Doctor was using were ones for losing players, he just tipped the board and, and they called it an accident. You know. Mm. <laughs> And then, as I said before as well, like he was very guarded with his emotions post Sarah Jane. And, like, it's it's not a weakness in the, in the sense of, like, you know, it's a negative character trait. But it, it did have an impact on how he interacted with people that joined the TARDIS crew afterwards. Mm. And, like, it just made... Sometimes it just made for... A frustrating watch, and like we've talked about it before, we we don't like it when that happens. Mm. Um, also, and you know, it's it's rare, but it does happen. Is from my perspective, he took an he sometimes took like this weird glee in misfortunate events happening, and it's like, or no, sorry. Maybe it's not glee, but there's definitely a sense of like uh, inappropriate gallows humor, you know. Mm. And it's like now is not the time for like the 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 stupid joke because it just excuse me, it just makes you come across as really flippant. Mm. Uh, so I think for me, like those were the the facts of like those were the weaknesses weaknesses I identified in the fourth doctor. How about you? I agree with you on, on pretty much everything you just said. I think the one thing that I didn't I didn't write it down, but it, the rest of my points kind of encompass it in a way anyway, is the way he treats it's not even it's not even people who like it's a weird combination because the way he treats Leela and Harry is with Leela again there's the whole savage thing which we'll, I'm sure I'm sure will I'm sure will come up more later on. Um, it certainly will for me. <laughs> um, and with Harry, it's the whole, you know, 
Harry, you're a ham-fisted idiot or whatever. Um, but the way he treats his companions, you know, when when they won't play with him or they won't play nicely with him, you know, like he, you know, part of the game is that I'm the doctor and and I solve things and I do this. And if you're smarter than me, then that's not going to work. Or if you're going to press the buttons and break things, then we're not having fun playing the game. And you know that sort of ties into something that is a sentiment I fully agree with, but it is a weakness in Doc Tom's ability to interact with other people, which is his whole, what's the point of being a grown-up if you can't be childish sometimes? Hmm. That worked really well with Sarah Jane. They played off each other really well in that they were two best friends. Pardon me, they were two best friends out exploring the universe. It was fantastic. But his very childish nature with certain things like he'd go off and pout or he'd get odd or like you know he'd steal back a jelly baby or he'd take up his toys and go you know whatever or you know in the case of k9 he'll tip the chessboard well i agree with the sentiment like you should be able to enjoy the wonders in life you should have be able to have moments where you're like actually i just want to have a whinge will you go away and leave me alone do i don't want to be responsible i want to have a moment to myself i agree with the sentiment but there are times when that is a hindrance to his objective. Either, you know, in him not paying attention to things that he should. Because he's too busy being like, oh, and put his like, hat on over his face or something. Or it makes it difficult for people who don't know him that well to work with him. So that with Sarah Jane, it probably worked the best. And in fairness, Romana got there progressively more and more. But like... With Harry, it was a problem. With Leela, there was times when it was a problem. With K9, it was clearly an issue. With Romana, at times, it was an issue. And, you know, Adric, I think, escaped it. Though I think, Mm -hmm. had the Doctor stuck around for longer, it may have been an issue there as well. Um, So it's an interesting thing because, like, you know, when we watch Robot and we were talking about that line, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, it's, it's it's a great line. But in practice, given where he goes and what he does and his responsibilities and to other people and whatever, it can be a bit of a hindrance to the overall success of whatever it is he's doing. The next thing on my list is that not I don't think as badly as some other people we've seen, but he is such a fucking hypocrite, particularly with Leela. You know, he's constantly ragging on her, being like, don't use Janus Thorns, don't use Janus Thorns, don't use or Janus Thorns, whatever. He repeatedly berates her for acting like a savage. And he has absolutely no issues using her savageness when it benefits him. Hmm. Do you know? And like, is it, it's particularly prominent with Leela. We do see it in a couple of other stories as well, where like, he's like, oh, you can't do the thing. And then he does the thing. Like, even in like a story like Genesis of the Daleks, he does do a couple of things that are a bit hypocritical, do you know? Mm. Um, so I, does he have it as badly as some other people? No. But again, again, particularly with Leela, it's this constant yeah. thing that comes out. Just when we think he gets over it, it comes up again the next episode. Just when we think he gets over it, it comes up again. Um, and the last thing that I had in particular was that he can be more than a little bit blasé about other people's deaths 
Like you mm-hmm. were talking about the fact that like sometimes his reactions are a bit like now is not the time for gallows humor. But we see several times where it just doesn't sync with him that someone is dead. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And, you know, sometimes we try to explain it away, like, say, in Pyramids of Mars. I personally had major issue with the way he was in Pyramids of Mars with um, Scarman Jr. Uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. Um, and, yeah, you were saying, like, oh, but he spoke to him. But, like, he also the way he reacted or didn't, you know, seemed a bit blasé. Um, we saw it in Megalos to... Jacqueline Hill, like, mm-hmm. come on, um. But every now and again, like, he does have the situation where like someone dies, be they villain or or companion or not companion is his companion, but like story based companion or whatever, and he's just like, ho hum, off we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there are times when, like, he willingly allows terrible things to happen. To admittedly bad people, but mm-hmm. still, you're kind of like, oh, that, hmm, hmm, maybe, maybe rain that in, that, like, whatever. So, I mean, I will give the flip side. There are times where he's obviously clearly very upset about death, where it clearly does affect him. I'll mention a particular example later on. Mm. But I think, by and large, it's like he just doesn't see it. Do you know? Because mm, he's yeah. up here and everyone else is down here. So when they die, he's just like, yeah, but moving on, we have mm-hmm. this thing to do. Um, so that for me, like those are like sort of the three, well, the four main ones, I suppose, if you include the way he treats Lila and Harry. It's just like his childishness sometimes, like, What's the point in being a grown-up if you can't be childish? Sometimes, Tom. Hmm. Or Doctor. Sometimes. Not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Um, he can be super hypocritical, again, particularly with Leela. And he can be blasé about other people's deaths. Um, in a way that's kind of uncomfortable in some instances. Hmm. Yeah. But in saying that, he does have strengths. He does so, indeed. Paddy, back to you. Strengths. Um. So, Tom's doctor has, like, we've and we've seen it before. Each of them has this persona. Like you know, we talked about like the um, the initially cantankerous, but the then the avuncular old man. Then you have the cosmic hobo or cosmic clown, whichever you prefer. And then there's the the, the dandy. You know, uh, James Bond. And then, like, I've often heard, like, Tom's doctor referred to as, like, the Bohemian doctor, like, or the avant-garde mm. doctor. And he does have this slightly aloof nature to him at times. But just because he does have that nature doesn't mean he's not engaged in what's going on. Like, to, to some extent, it's a facade to trick people. Mm. And he never backs down from doing the right thing. Uh, which is like always great to see, and plus it helps drive the fucking plot. <laughs> but no, he never backs down from doing the right thing, and he is willing to lay his life on the line, uh, or lay down on the wire at times to ensure that no one else is the one that gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And 
like we talked before about there are there are instances like you know where he could let someone kind of wander off or walk to their death or do something like that or sacrifice themselves but no he he's the one to he's the one to do it and i let another strength is that for me his like eccentric nature is sometimes his best weapon because i'm reminded of uh, city of death where like the countess is like um I don't think he's as stupid as he is. And the count goes, no one can be as stupid as he is. Um, and like, yeah, like it's sometimes it lulls people into a false sense of security. Now, not to the same as the way the second doctor used to do it, but definitely it's, it's a trick up the doctor's sleeve. Um, and the other thing as well was that he had this tendency that if he thought you were, or maybe this is the wrong way to put it, is that he took genuine delight in seeing the the, the, the achievements of others, like the scientific achievements mm. of others, that type of thing. And I suppose like a good example of that is we talked about Pyramids of Mars when um, Lawrence had built like the radio telescope. Mm. And, you know, the, there was like the, the wonderful kind of discussion between the two of them then. Or... Uh, what was another one? Even Tremas, he had a great yeah, yeah, like, absolutely, yeah. The recency, yeah, huge, hugely um, science bros, science bros vibes from the two of them. Um, so yeah, I like that aspect of stuff, and I suppose like any other doctor, when he gels well with the story based protagonists of the week, uh, mm. like and we talk about. Good example of that would be, I think, uh, Ark in Space, mm. uh, with the crew there gels really well with them, or even Horror Fang Rock. Uh, so yeah, there's a there's a good like, few examples of him doing that. How about you? Very good. Um, I think one thing with this Doctor that like I think gets overlooked in in respect of like what was that Doctor like is he can tech the tech with the best of them. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Like he does. Like even in robot, like we have him, you know, experimenting with the whatever is needed to defeat the robot or whatever. Um, you know, we have it in Ark in Space. He usually does some sciencing in most stories. Mm-hmm. Which I think people tend to not give the fourth doctor as much credit as a science doctor. Like I don't think he gets because because he's not as big into gadgets mm. as, say, Doc John was. Um and because what like Bill and, and Patrick, people remember them differently just because of the last episodes and things like that. Um, but I think a lot of people sort of look to Doc John as like the sciencey one. Whereas actually Tom sciences almost every episode. Mm-hmm. And he does it well and it's never I think the difference though is that like he texts the tech without being for the most part, overly confident without being super braggy about it. He's like, one second, I just need to build this thing. Just fuck off. <laughs> I just need to build this thing and then we can do it whenever. Um, and he often does it in conjunction with other people. Mm. So it's often him teaming up with someone else to do it, which which is great. Um, I do think that, you know, I know we spoke about like Harry and Leela, but I do think for the most part, he is very protective of his friends. 
Mm. Um, you know, jokingly with the exception of Harry, but let's face it, if Harry was ever in any serious trouble, like he would have been there just as protective. Yeah. Um, but like he is very protective of them. He does stand up for them against others. There's one glaring exception to that. But we'll talk about that, I'm sure, later on. I know I certainly will. But like whether it's, you know, emphasizing to Vira that it's like, oh, does this one have value? And he's just like, yes. Yes, she does. You know, when Sarah Jane is is in the stasis thing. Mm-hmm. Or when he requests, you know, last week when he requested from the monitor on Logopolis to take care of Tegan and Adric. You know, he does care about them. Now, sometimes he lets them wander off on their own. They do their own thing. And that's fine because we like them having their own story. But he is very protective of them. He does care about them. We did not have any instance that I can recall, and keep me honest, where it's an ambassadors of death situation where a companion is taken and he just doesn't even bother. He just continues on with what he's doing and fuck him. Um, like, because that was one of our big issues with Doc John with that particular yeah. story. Like, I don't think Doc Tom did that. Um, no, that's not to say that he was always the one coming to the rescue. Because mm-hmm. sometimes he might not know they were missing. He might not know they were captured or he might not physically be able to rescue them. But like never did he do anything intentionally to endanger them. Yeah. You know. Um, and then the last thing for me, and you, you touched on this as well, is like, with the exception of people in leadership roles where really that whole childish nature tends to be in massive conflict, he gets along really well with most people that he meets. Mm-hmm. He's very approachable, he's laid back, which makes him someone that, like, particularly story-based companions or whatever, can easily gel with. We talk about, you know, um, Lawrence Scarman, Tremas last week, but, like, usually, you know, we we talk about it pretty much every week. There's very few exceptions where we don't Mm. mention it, where, oh, I loved Tom's interactions with this person. I loved the doctor interacting with that person. Mm. Usually he gets along really well. And often it's because he helps celebrate their successes, particularly, you know, when they're small successes and he gives like massive credit. Hmm. He doesn't fully go that way with some people because he recognizes something is fucky. But like, for the most part, he gets along really well with most of the people that he meets, which is Uh, good. I was going to say, slightly tipping my hand here, but... One relationship that he has that I absolutely loved was his relationship with D84, the robot yeah. spy in Robots of Death, because yeah. he made him feel valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even like, you know, someone like Vira in Ark and Space, who's very robotic when we first meet mm. her, and the fact that by the end, he literally has her eating out of the palm of his hand, you know, like going yeah. in, taking a jelly baby or whatever. And he has those interactions with most of the good guys that we meet. Um, so I think the exception is that obviously sometimes people in leadership roles, it takes them longer to warm up to him. But for the most part, he gets along really well with everybody, which is really great. Hmm. Um, and it's something that 
other doctors didn't take the time to do, do you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as aloof as, you know, Doc Tom can sometimes be, it doesn't mean he's not paying attention. Yeah. He just may not act on it. So like I said, with the whole blasanus about death, it can feel like he's not paying attention. It's just that he's not reacting. Whereas, you know, you have something like, you know, we go back to Terror of the Zygons and, you know, Sarah Jane's making the comments about the, the innkeeper or whatever. Mm-hmm. But clearly Tom has been paying attention. Do mm-hmm. you know, and you sort of imagine that like late into the evening he's happy to sit with him and chat the day away. Do yeah. you know? Um, all of which I think is, is really, really good. Um so yeah, I think those are those are my ones for him. And now we come to what was probably the trickiest portion of this rambling was um the best performances and worst performances as deemed by yours truly in our humble opinions. I one thing I noticed is that uh all of mine, all of my worst performances are from the same season. Mm-hmm. Mine are not. I don't think. No, they're not. Are they from the same era? Mm, yes. Possibly. I think so. Maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. okay. So the way we do them is that we rank them from least worst to worst worst mm. so three two one where three is least worst one is worst worst so Patty, yeah. what are your three two one so number three underworld mm. number two the invisible enemy mm. and number one the invasion of time okay i have one in common with you okay Number three, Rybus Operation. Number two, Underworld. Number one, Talons of Wang Chiang. I was wondering if that would make an appearance on your on your list. Or like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was wondering. I love the top three. Underworld oh. and Talons tend to chop and change, hmm. depending on my mood. And Invisible Enemy was considered. Yeah. It no, was because, high contention, but oh. I went to Underworld instead. Yeah, no, because I I was going through my notes and obviously looking through my own notes for Talons, and I was like, I uh, I remember that while we discussed the very problematic nature of this particular story, the yeah, you weren't very happy with the doctor in that one. No. Um. Okay. So, Underworld is number two for you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how's about you do your number three, which mm-hmm. is Rybos. Rybos. We'll both discuss Underworld. And then I'll give I'll give my two and my one and then you can give your top. Yeah. Okay. So Rybos for me was an interesting one and I was kind of humming and hawing on whether to include it. Invisible Enemy was really considered there as well. Like it was like, oh, they take out Rybos and Invisible Enemy. The reason why Rybos is in there is Rybos, to me, really is the first time in a big way we're seeing 
this doctor protective of his position as the most intelligent. I know we had K9 before Ryboss. So we had K9 from the Invisible Enemy onwards, and he had a couple of issues with K9 then. But here we have the doctor with a member of his own people, and it's this Troughton Zoe interaction, one upmanship, whatever, which I didn't enjoy. That's something I had an issue with, but again, at the time, I was willing to give it some time to see if it ran its course. The main thing here is that I think Ryboss Operation sort of stands as a representative episode mm. for those times when the Doctor has no issue with someone dying in a terrible way. Admittedly, even if they're a bad guy. So, in this, he switches the explosive with Graf and lets Graf walk away to then blow up and then he celebrated it at the end. And that just really didn't sit right. It's not the I don't think it's I don't think it's even necessarily the worst time that happened, but there was something about it in this story where it was shocking. Mm. It's not something you were expecting. Him switching things out, you kind of he's like, okay, you kind of expect that, whatever. Do you know like he's a bit of a you know sleight of hand or whatever, that's fine. But the fact that they played it out to the fact that Graf didn't notice and therefore died. And then we have the Doctor kind of celebrating his amazing Suchiru and whatever. Like, I think previous incarnations of the Doctor, for the most part, may have celebrated the Suchiru, but then when they realized that Graf didn't realize he made the switch, would have been like, ah, fuck. Mm. Do you know? Um, and but here I just it's just the, the casual way that he did it really struck me as wrong yeah and so that that's why Ryboss went into my number three spot I remember um, oh god I can't remember how it came up but it was for the, it was for the revival era anyway and I think it was in relation to David Tennant's doctor about the resolution he had for one villain, they were just like going, oh, that's very cruel. The Doctor would never do that. And I immediately just thought back to Rival's operation going, yes, he absolutely fucking would. Yep. Because, and, it's, and as we've said before, it's not the first time he's done something like this. The time he redirected the entire Ice Warrior fleet into a fucking sun, as opposed to just stranding them, you know? Mm. Send them back to where they were. Because they're... They couldn't autocorrect the ship's course, so they couldn't stop themselves from having to return to their point of origin. But no, he fucking sent them into a sun. So yeah, it's like yes, it is a you you could say it's a humanizing aspect of the Doctor, but it's also a very fucking monstrous aspect of the Doctor. Yeah, know? and when you tie that with this petty one-upmanship, mm. I'm better than you, even though you're better educated than me and whatever thing that he has with Romana it just sort of sits wrong yeah do you know um, but yes yeah, so that was my number three then you had it number three and I had it number two Underworld yes Underworld so my big thing with Underworld was I didn't like the I didn't like the doctor for like 
pretty much the entire story because he's incredibly egotistical in it. Um, also, this his his logic behind stuff was was dumb. Like, do you remember? Uh, he said he specifically killed the nucleus because it was much larger. Mm. You know, I was going. It doesn't matter what the size of the thing is. Its intent is to just control the entire, corrupt and control the entire galaxy, mm. regardless of how big or small it is. So just because you made it bigger doesn't add any any more justification to killing it or stopping it. Mm. So I thought that was stupid. But also, like, and it was just this really, like, almost like, I won't say abusive aspect of his relationship with Leela, but he was just very, very condescending and demeaning to her throughout the entire story, you know? Mm. And then, like, when they went through the... Um, the oh when they got shrunk down and they were going through the the brain aspect of stuff and it's like okay so you have no problem like mocking isn't her. that invisible enemy oh my god yeah i'm talking about the i'm talking about the wrong fucking story sorry <laughs> yeah no. i was wondering I was like, a lot of what you're saying is true yeah. in underworld and then you went off and took a left turn no like, mm-hmm. yeah no sorry uh yeah no my, my thing with underworld was the was the relationship with Leela because mm. it was like you can't um yeah don't mean to do mine first <laughs> no 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 like, no no like I, I remember it now uh basically it was the thing with the underworld was was down to his relationship with both Leela and K9 like mm. he uses K9 K9 like a machine mm. you know and as opposed to all the other times he treats him like a dog like you know, as an actual like living you know, he just treats him like a machine to get to, to really put him through the ringer um and then with Leela as well as when the the crew of the, um, uh, the fuck it the Argonauts will call them mm-hmm. like when they comment about her intelligence the doctor almost like carries on the joke and yeah. it's like no you know you don't get to do that when she's saved you multiple fucking times and shown that just because she doesn't have an academic level of intelligence doesn't mean that she's not intelligent. Mm. So, so yeah, I didn't like that one. Yeah, for me, it was... It, I didn't like it for the same reason you didn't like it. Um, no, you can't tell K9 to shut up. This is fucking rude. Um, I, I think this is probably the worst he's treated K9 in all of it. Um, but really, you know, not to undersell the K9 thing, his treatment of Leela, I found to be absolutely appalling. Mm. Um, and, it, you know, I was saying that, like, I was considering including Invisible Enemy and I was like, oh, would I take Invisible, would I take out Ryboss and put Invisible Enemy in instead? And I sort of picked Underworld kind of as a representative of both Underworld and Invisible Enemy mm-hmm. because they both suffer from the same problem, which is him continually referring to Leela as primitive. Um, you know, it it's presented slightly differently in The Invisible Enemy, which I'm sure you'll get to when you get to that one. Um, but in this story, it's almost worse because there is a scene in particular 
that I'm like, you should be raging and hollering. If they had done this to Sarah Jane, you would have lost your fucking shit. Which is that when the crew pacifies Leela. Mm. So they use technology on her to essentially take away her emotion. And she's clearly massively freaked out by it, as anyone would be. Mm -hmm. And he should be appalled on her behalf. But he just seems to let it go. And he just, like, he explains to her what happened. And he's like, oh, they just pacified you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, 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 no. A, you stop fucking agreeing with other people about her intelligence. Has she not proven herself to you yet? But also, how dare you let them do that to her? Mm-hmm. And not defend her. Like, again, like, I'm trying to imagine if that had been Sarah Jane, he would have lost his fucking mind yeah. at what they had done to her. If you think, like, if that's Doc John and that's happening to any of his companions, he would have lost his shit. Um, Bill would have gone nuclear. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone had tried to do that to, I mean, Susan, fuck right off. If they tried to do it to Barbara or Vicky, he would have lost the rag entirely. The, the boys may be less so with Bill, but, like, he still would have been, like, how dare you? You can't do that on a sentient being. Even, forget the fact that it's Leela. The fact that he didn't give out about them using that type of device on a sentient being, I'm like, no no go what the fuck is up with you this is massively inappropriate like I said, it was a bit of a tie up between that and invisible enemy and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see why you why you ranked invisible enemy higher um but for me like this one pissed me off more mm-hmm. it's that pacify machine thing it just mm. how dare you do that to someone <laughs> uh so for like I, I think I've pretty much given all my thoughts on our underworld, and I, I what I will say is f- the reason I ranked the invisible enemy higher because I've already mm. I've, I've given my thoughts about it already is that this was the first story after we had four fucking cracking stories with Leela, right, mm. and now. The I the issue then is that the the two guys you know it was fucking uh, Dave and Bob that fucking mm. did the did the writing, and they just looked at whatever they did they couldn't fucking write her but it was the doctor's whole thing was that okay whatever about the the weird characterization of Leela, why did the doctor's complete attitude have towards her have to change as a result of it, mm. you know. Like, we know what the... We've seen four stories of them actually having a pretty decent relationship. Mm. Why all of a sudden is he fucking treating her less than? And again, it was... uh, In the brain side of things, it's... He's only using her because of her um, hunter's instinct. That's Mm. all. Not because it's... Not because, oh, Leela can help us with this. It's, no, Leela's hunt intrinsic hunter's instinct is the tool that we can use mm. and it's like okay fuck it 
so she's a she's she's a tool for you in this episode and that's why i did that's why i rated it higher or ranked it lower shall we say than Mm. underworld cool and then we have the number one pick yeah so for me it's talons Mm -hmm. for you it was invasion Invasion. of time yeah so why invasion um it it comes down to i think two things here and one of them is the fucking beating a or like sonic a broken record banging the same drum it's his treatment of leela i I fucking detest it because one okay first off there's a level of arrogance to him in this story about okay i understand playing things close to the chest and we, we saw it with the second doctor and in in even of the daleks right mm. the difference being was that we knew that the doctor was playing something close to his chest like mm. we, we we knew from the outset and unfortunately jamie was the pawn caught in the middle here we're thrown right fucking into it with zero kind of preamble or anything we know that the doctor's meeting with some unscrupulous fucking crew and he's just an asshole for the first well, I want to say two episodes mm. and then obviously there's the whole thing with with Leela and he just essentially fucking has her cast out into the wilderness and say if they can't read your thoughts inside the fucking TARDIS why not leave her in the TARDIS simple mm. as you know you can have K9 protector or just it, it and then it's like surely you can give some sort of a fucking code that allows you to to trick them or anything like that or if you no, if you convince them that she is not worth your while hmm. give her a fucking scrap of paper or something and tell her not to read it until such a time give her a game plan rather than hmm. have her try and figure things out on her own well it's great for leela it's a, like it's a fucking frustrating aspect of it and then as well the, he essentially just dumps her. Now, I know that she said that she fell in love with Andros, but he doesn't even give her a proper goodbye. He he, mm. he doesn't even give her the courtesy of letting her, knows that he, letting her know that he cares about her. He just gives a weird smile, closes the door, and then says, I miss you too, Savage, behind the closed door. He mm. doesn't even do it like the, the first doctor did, and he g- gave a big, nice, lovely speech to Susan on the intercom or whatever he just fucks off and he leaves both her and K9 to wonder will he be okay yeah so I yeah. had like I had issue with the departure is like it wasn't a very fulfilling departure I wouldn't mark it as a worse story because of that because I mean you could chalk it up to any number of reasons he wasn't very emotional with Leela ever do you know that wasn't the type of dynamic they had um so whatever, but I, I I get where I get where you're coming from. But, I think I mean, I'd forgotten a lot of that story now that I think about yeah. it. Like, and it does like it does need to be even an emotional goodbye, because he didn't have an emotional goodbye with Harry. No. So like, it doesn't need to be an emotional goodbye, but at least just fucking say goodbye, you know. Mm. Let let her let her know that you're friends. That's all it needed to be. And then my worst was Talons of Wang Chiang. And I think saying that Talons for me is the worst 
fourth Doctor story is probably a lot of people are probably like ah fuck off like Talons is an amazing story loads of people love Talons how could you say it's the worst racism doesn't suit you Doctor particularly this Doctor it doesn't suit you this little man attacked us along with other little men and it begins in episode one and it doesn't fucking stop. And it rubs me the wrong way because I said, for the doctor to be racist is not something we would want to see. No. Right? Ever. But for this doctor, for some reason, like if this was Bill, you're kind of like, oh, for fuck's sake, Bill. <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, but hey, I don't think Bill would actually be like that anyway. To be perfectly frank, I don't think he would have Bill's said doctor. The same yeah, um, Bill himself maybe, but Bill's doctor. No. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. No, you, sorry. Like, I was going to say, Sonny comes down like you know we talked about before. Sonny down the line would paint him that way. But yeah, but he no, oh, yeah. like Bill's doctor wouldn't have said that. Yeah. Would Troughton or Doc John maybe, and would it kind of. Mm in keep like definitely with doc john he never did but i think it would kind of keep in with his sort of james bond boys club kind of persona if he did do it i think i think with doc i think with john's doctor it would be a more earth as a whole racism as opposed to specific earth ethnic group yeah but for some reason the fourth doctor, the Doc Tom, coming out with, I mean, was he using racial slurs at one point? No, like, I think I think that was. Uh, I know. Or was someone from, else said it and he it, just it, it, he didn't it, correct them? Yeah, it was um, Lightfoot. Yeah, L- Lightfoot. And yeah, he used a racial slur, and the doctor didn't say anything about it. Didn't say tickety boo. And for me, it's just a case of like, you know, we don't need to hold the doctor up on a pedestal and whatever. Oh. But you travel all of space and time. You've been through many eras of Earth history. You've been to the future. You've been to the far-flung past. Why the need to be racist against a specific ethnic group mm. of humans? Do you know? It, it rubbed me wrong at the time. And like literally, as I was putting together my list, like I was saying, like oh, I should have kept track of the stories at the time, because yeah, Invasion of Time, I kind of forgot how much of a dickhead he was, um, because he's had forty-two stories, a lot of them blend, mm-hmm. a lot of them blend, hence yeah. Underworld and Invisible Enemy blending for you, but the racism and talons, I just, it was the first one I wrote down. I didn't even look through my notes. I was like, talons needs to be somewhere i was like oh maybe it'll go into an honorable mention or a dishonorable mention as it were but the more i was thinking about it i was just like oh like an underworld like he's terrible to leela and the way he treats leela is shocking which is horrendous but i'm also like but the racist thing and i just i just couldn't get over it and i'm aware a lot of people love talons I think we actually had the talents of like one of my favorite Leela stories. Mm. There's plenty in talents to love. 
oh, like the I was doctor go- is not one of those things, though. Like in my I, in my opinion. No, like I remember, like because I went back and I looked at like the talking points that I had specifically, and I was like, mm-hmm. Leela, great, Lightfoot, problematic at the start, but understandable for what for who and what he is. Mm-hmm. Jago, great character. Fuck it, Magnus Creel could have been swapped out with the master, and it would have made it just as much sense. And uh, Lee Sin Chang, like a fantastic performance, but the complete wrong person to give it because mm-hmm. it was like, and like, yeah, like we went through that like a few times about like John Bennett, so so good, the much better antagonist, so brilliant. the much better antagonist in that story, but it's fucking got this massive massive asterisk beside it saying yellow face and it's like for fuck's sake um and like there's also even like um the with mr sin the the Mm. the doll some of the terminology used for him isn't very pc at the moment now you know yeah and the other thing is like i was watching I think this is actually this could be why it it stuck in number one. I was watching an interview that Gareth Wong, Gareth Wong, yeah, did with Connor Trenier and Dominic Keating and Bonnie Gordon. So, in case people don't watch, Gareth Wong was in Star Trek Voyager. Dominic Keating and Connor Trenier were in Star Trek Enterprise. Dominic and Connor have a podcast called The Shuttle Pod Show. In their most recent episode, they were interviewing Gareth. Uh, Bonnie Gordon, who does the voice of the computer in Star Trek Prodigy, was filling in for another lady that they usually have whose name I've forgotten. There you go. Something like that. But Garrett was talking about you know his life growing up. Garrett is Asian American, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but Asian descent growing up in America. And he talked about getting into acting and whatever. And he was talking about how, you know, for Asians in America in particular, but I think this also applies worldwide, it's two steps forward, one step back. So, you know, you have, you know, amazing invention coming out of wherever. Then two weeks later, Pearl Harbor happens. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, from an industry perspective you've got you know a film like crazy rich asians comes out and everyone's Mm -hmm. like oh my god this is fantastic then covid hits and you have the president of the united states calling it the chinese virus Mm -hmm. and whatever and he made a point which is that even now friends of his say things that are so racist against asians and they don't see the issue with it when if you tried to use a similar comparative thing for African-Americans or just Africans in general, people, mm-hmm. people would lambast you for it. Yeah. Because they're Asian, people don't seem to give a shit. Mm-hmm. And so there was something like that was in the back of my mind when I was doing this list. And I was like, so talents, a lot of people love talents. And I understand why. But... If I think even in the 70s, if the doctor had said what he said about a black person in that story, that mm. would not have been allowed. Yeah. 
but because they're Asian, it's fine. Yeah, no, there is like there no not and again not to take away from like not not to take the like away from like any sort of like racism or anything like that. There there does seem to be like a primary focus because it probably was in America for the, for the longest time the biggest like social issue which was racism towards African Americans and everything mm-hmm. else kind of got overshadowed by it. But it now like we're living in a we're living in a digital age where we can go back and we can review and we can see this and it's like stuff that was done. Like I think one thing that, like, it, so in Ireland for history, okay, you're you're taught a lot of like the some basics of world history, okay, mm-hmm. and like when it comes to Americans, you know, you can obviously taught like American Revolutionary War, American Civil War, and then bombing of Pearl Harbor, and then goes into Vietnam. What they don't really teach you in the Irish education system, at, at a secondary level, is the internment camps. For Japanese Americans during World War Two, they don't they don't teach you that. And George Takei so, did a brilliant play based around that. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I'd love to see it. Um, but and it's like, but again, you, you don't want to say anything because like it's like that was still a huge issue, like uh, racism towards African Americans. It did kind of overshadow all of the other ethnic minorities that get. Be they like Asian, be they kind of Slavic, be they Jewish, mm. be whatever. Like there are all this kind of stuff that was still there, and like I think with um, Tanza Wang Chiang, why a lot of people love it and they kind of tend to overlook the the racism part, or maybe just not focus on it, right? or maybe they don't see it, is because of the penny dreadful slash pulp action feel mm. to it and it's like okay yes chinese tongs or t-o-n-g-s mm. are a criminal element the same as the italian and russian mafias the same as japanese the irish Yaku- mafia and- the irish mafia yeah same as the uh Japanese Yakuza gangs, Tongs were are now just they they're the precursor to triad gangs. So you take the actual what happens is a lot of people they view past the yellow face and they they focus on the story and they're like, oh yes, this actual you know, legitimate criminal element are doing like the same way with any other kind of immigrant grouping when they go to a new country, they set up a criminal network. The the Irish did it. The Italians did it. The Russians did it. Every, every whenever, uh, whenever a group immigrates to a new country that has a criminal element in that immigration group, they set up shop. Mm. And as you said, like yeah, the Irish do it, the British do it. Every fucking country does it. And it just so happens that there's the exotic nature of the Victorian era mixed with that whole pulp adventure style that just hooks people in it, and as and i've said it before like that i do not condone the racism at all in this in this story i don't like mm. it. it it fucking sucks but there's that part of me that loves pulp adventure slash victoriana mystery mm. that loves going to the story and watching it from that aspect oh yeah and, that, and i completely agree and like is it the reason why i put it in my worst spot for the fourth doctor in particular is 
I mean, not that I would excuse it, hmm. but if it was the people of London, the people of Earth, at that time being the ones using that verbiage, hmm. focusing on that element or whatever, like we see with um, Jay Lightfoot and Lightfoot, yeah, right. That's in context somehow historically accurate or whatever. Is it great? No. But you can sort of, if you want to, hand wave it away for those characters because contextually it makes sense. Mm-hmm. For the doctor yeah, to hold that same view and to not be correcting everyone around them is fucking ridiculous. Mm. Had he not been racist, it wouldn't be on the list because this is about the worst outings for the fourth doctor. Mm-hmm. And for me, well, like, and again, I literally look like a fucking light bulb. I couldn't be whiter if I tried. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> literally. Right. Um, this isn't attacking me or mine or whatever, but it's unacceptable. And it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it really puts a big, dirty mark on the legacy of that character mm-hmm. who, you know, you know, Sarah, don't make fun of people who play a lament for the dead on the whatever. Mm-hmm. Or who sees the wonder in other races on other planets and whatever. But no. Here, I get to use racial identifiers. Here, I let people around me get away with using racial slurs. Mm -mm. Doesn't apply. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. (laughs) But no, I think it's, and you said something here that was very interesting, which was that like the doctor is not a perfect character no matter how many be they fans be they actors be they writers be they whatever want to put the doctor up on that pedestal as being this universal savior he's a deeply flawed character and he has been since day one been since yeah. and he and that that flaw carries all the way through to the revival era it really mm-hmm. does and across every iteration to it and like even you know, as like where I think a, a lot of people would defend her against the vitriol that she received simply for being who she was. Jodie's doctor wasn't a perfect fucking doctor either. Like she yeah. had some very kind of eyebrow raising moments. You're like, no, not really fucking into that, you know? But I think that's what makes the doctors across all the incarnations an actual interesting character because they're flawed. Mm. Like perf- perfect characters can get very boring. Flawed yeah. characters are interesting because they keep you coming back. Um, but let's move on to the best stories, which again, I don't know about you. For me, this was so hard. It was so hard. It was. And there's one story now I think that you're probably going to raise an eyebrow at when I fucking, uh, say it. Um, I will say I have two honorable mentions. I have. have Well, actually, I have the entire run with Sarah as an honorable mention, but I specifically (laughs) have two. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I I have two honourable mentions as well. So my first honourable mention is Robot. Yeah. Robot is 
Tom's first outing. It's a regeneration story and reintroduction story. I think it's a very solid regeneration story. We're seeing good dynamic with everybody, good exploration of character. We get to see a lot about what this doctor is about. Brilliant performance, great story in general, and the doctor delivered. You know, mm-hmm. you've no concerns. Um, it, just to compare, just for a second, to say, Doc John, Doc John's he was in bed half the time. <laughs> he was unconscious. It took a while to get going here because we have Sarah and the Brig witnessing the regeneration. We jump straight in, and Tom hits it. Millie Maldonar. Second honorable mention is Pyramids of Mars. Because I objectively recognize Pyramids is a great story and Tom's performance in it is amazing. I have a couple of issues just with his attitude to certain characters in that story. Again, Lawrence's death. He's very snippy with Sarah Jane for a lot of it, which I personally don't like. But objectively speaking, if you want to watch a good fourth Doctor story, like mm. Pyramids is up there. Do you know? Um, for good reason. Um, how about you? What are your honourable mentions? Uh, so my honourable mentions are the Pirate Planet. Uh, mostly because of that fucking beautiful exchange with the with the uh, Pirate mm. Captain and the, well, what, like the exasperated, what's it for? It just fucking, I have issues with the story, as I've said multiple times, but that exchange was just, oh, it was great. It was fantastic. Mm. Uh, my second honorable mention then is actually Legopolis. Mm. I I thought that his regeneration story was fantastic because, as I said, it's the earliest that Doctor knows that they're going to die. Mm. And the subdued uh, performance he gives and like the sort of like the slow farewells he's giving everyone but the thing then is like that uh, we talked about the, the actions that the preceding doctors took that led to their eventual you know regenerations mm. like the first doctor he just so happens to be caught in the the, the Cyberman invasion and the strain proves unfortunately too much for him and his body gives out. Mm. The second Doctor, while maybe the fight, he he could have won the fight by attrition, but he did realise that, look, I have to call in the cavalry here and I'm going to pay a price. Uh, The third Doctor then was, like, he, he had to... I suppose he had to face up to the fact that like I have to bring that crystal back, and it and it could very well be the death of me. Whereas mm-hmm. here, it's the doctor has no choice but to save the day. He has no choice mm-hmm. but to he has no choice but to run into the arms of his own demise because otherwise the universe will die, mm-hmm. and he can't do that. So I thought it was like a very, a very like it was a very sweet story. I think in terms mm-hmm. of like for the doctor, um. But my three, two, one. Yeah. So three, two, one for here. Three is bronze. Bronze. Two is silver. One is gold. Yeah. Go. So my third place is actually the Pyramids of Mars. Mm. My second place is the Horror of Fang Rock. Mm. Uh, my first place is Genesis. My third place is Pirate Planet. 
Right. My second place is Horror Fang Rock, and my first place is Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> so close to alignment. <laughs> so yeah. far yeah. so yeah what is it your your one of my honorable, honorable mentions, mentions was my thing and one of my yeah, yeah, yeah yeah cool cool um cool so I suppose I'll go with Pyramid if that's okay yeah, and no. yeah like I fully acknowledge and I think I did at the time but I tried to def- I, and I, I offered the same defense as I did at the time I fully acknowledge that yes, he is snippy with Sarah Jane, and yes, he is he snaps at Lawrence, and I think it's a it's a great scene the way he snaps at him because like you know trying to get him to mm. see the realization of like your brother's nothing more than an animated human cadaver, and I still offer the kind of the same defense of that is the it's given the context of what they're facing they're facing Sutek the destroyer the last of the osirens and it took over 600 of his own fucking people to just simply imprison the fucker you know and mm. he's fa- he's faced with the thing the thing of coming back and now look yes an apology would have been nice an apology at some point because especially seeing how lawrence dies without ever receiving that i'm sorry for snapping type of thing you know mm. Um, but I think as a showcase of the doctor himself with all his, you know, his bells and whistles, but also his, his character flaws. I think pyramids is a great story for that. It's a great story in terms in general. Anyway, really good Sarah Jane story, fucking a class villain, the tragic figure of Marcus Scarman, who is, you know, he's a meat puppet, but he's, there's still mm. some semblance of life there. Lawrence's whole boyish exuberance and then his his sad death. Like, it, it is mm. a sad death. And, like, in the middle of this whole fucking swirling thing is the Doctor trying to keep his friends safe, trying to stop an unspeakable evil from rising. Bonding ever so slightly with a fucking turn-of-the-century uh, scientist, uh, like, you know, with that side of thing. I, it, there's so many wonderful character moments there that like I, I when someone ever says like you know oh what's a good classic story to watch I immediately point them towards pyramids and Tom's doctor is a big factor into that hmm. very good I would I would agree with most like I said I I don't defend his attitude quite as much as you do but yeah yeah um I agree with why it's in my honorable why did I put pirate planet I think Pirate Planet is really fun. I liked it at the time. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of Tom in there that is just fun. Um. I love like his reaction when like people are paying her attention to Romana and they're not paying attention to him. And Kaylin's like, it's because she's a woman. <laughs> and you're not. Um. But for me, the big standard of Pirate Planet, and you mentioned it a while ago. Then what's it for? That moment in the corridor is amazing. When we talk about, you know, the legacy of the Doctor when we look at it from a modern lens. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who, you know, of our age who watch Doctor Who, a lot of them would have gotten into it with the revival era. Mm-hmm. And so this oncoming storm this sort of post-time war doctor you know Eccleston had a bit of it 
um, David, the oncoming storm was basically his thing. Mm-hmm. Matt had a bit of it. Um, Capaldi had it in spades as well. Jolie not so much because she's obviously the post this. She's she's you know, she's the recovery and the and the light that comes after. Mm-hmm. But I think out of everything, that scene, I'm like, there it is. There is him defending more than just it's more than just like the Daleks are evil we have to defeat the Daleks whatever it's more than just you know the thing of the day this is him coming face to face with someone doing something unfathomable and all he wants to know is fucking why what possible benefit could this be to you and that to me is the beginning of the oncoming storm that we see in future iterations of the doctor it's the beginning of that for me that sort of hairpin trigger of you know i am a time lord i will defend i will protect i will attack for me, that scene more than any other, and I'm sure we'll get to another great scene in a little bit. But for me, there's something with that scene, the delivery by Tom, and the fact that like in the pirate planet, he had been, you know, had been kind of a fun, easygoing, whatever. There's the weird thing with the birds and <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's him and Romana playing off each other. All that was fun and enjoyable. But then you have that and you're like, oh, like I remember like at the time hmm. rewinding that and watching that bit several times. It was so good. And as good as Pyramids is, and I because I completely agree with you, his performance is great. I would pick that over broody, snippy and whatever any day of the week. In terms of who this doctor is and who he has the action, that that's probably it. I think pyramids shows who this doctor is and who the doctor is in many ways. That one scene in Pyre Planet shows who he can be, mm-hmm. and I'm all here for it. <laughs> cool. So two things, just the way that you were like uh, saying, I had to go back you know, multiple times. And you made a sound there. All I could think of was just Mufasa. (laughs) 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 Uh, Also, I never thought I'd see the day where a Douglas Adams story made it into Trisha Brady's top three performances for a doctor. I said the doctor was great. (laughs) Although I'm great. Yeah. No, I'm command. I said at the time I really enjoyed Pirate Planet. Yeah, you know, there's something you did. about the story. I just, yeah, it's fun and it's mm. it's fun to watch, and yeah. it's not too far up its own hole. Yeah, no, uh, no, absolutely. You know, what, and it, it is a good. It's a, it was a it's a surprisingly good story. I think surprisingly mm. good. Uh, awesome. So then we have the the joint uh, top two of horror, Fang Rock, and Genesis. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I remember our having a very our discussion surrounding Genesis or not Genesis, sorry, Horrifying Rock being very interesting 
because um it was i think it was the supporting cast so some of the supporting cast not all of them though mm. that kind of dragged down the overall story but i would still highly recommend the story because one it's just a fantastic kind of setting and uh like fucking spooky lighthouse it's great but the two things i love it for the most are one the doctor's relationship with leela it, it's fucking brilliant everything that comes after it is so heartbreaking uh but it, it's it's brilliant because it's they've gotten they like the rapport is established they're they're fucking pally pally you know hmm. like yeah he might reprimand her every now and again but like or but there's no there's no meanness in the comments anymore like mm. it, there's there's none of the shit that's going to follow with uh dave and bob's characterization of their relationship um so that's great the other thing i love is that his just his interactions with like guys like harker and vince mm. and before he gets fucking uh murdered uh reuben like mm. with the rank and file Tom's Doctor can be so good. It can be so it can be fucking brilliant. We saw it in Ark and we saw it in to an extent we saw it in The Planet of Evil, you know, with mm. uh Vishinsky. Um and maybe one or two of the other uh crew members. But here it's just it everything is just so smooth. Yeah, it, mm. it's it is just oh like it's such an enjoyable watch and like especially because it's such a confined setting mm. and they they really only have like there's limited was it like the, the special effects are the root on itself which is just a fucking mound of green jelly and mm. like a, a shooting star everything else is character work character work character work throughout the entire fucking thing um and as well like it, there's the investigate like it's a haunted house investigation which mm. is brilliant because he does it so well so yeah it's i don't know how more i can say about it so i'll turn it over to you to say more about it it's essentially the same um <laughs> i think for me when it comes to the pinnacle of the fourth doctor and leela talons could have been it and then horror fang rock comes along and you're like mm-hmm. no here we go here we have it and i was actually i I had a quick listen back to our thoughts on this and you made the point of um you know at one point he's like oh we need to you know we need you know the high enough this and leela's like why don't we use the torch or something he's like why don't we use the torch that's a fantastic idea leela (laughs) like well done (laughs) do you know um he shows so much trust in her he's like leela go take care of it and Mm off she goes right and he knows her and he can trust her and like i said even when he corrects her on something there's no excessive criticism there's no malice like i can't remember the specifics off the top of my head but say for example if she'd been like oh we can use you know a tire iron to this and he's like no you know tire iron isn't really gonna work you'd want a jack do you know but it's it's purely education it's purely, yep, you're on the right track, but here we go. Because like this is the story as well, I think, where Leela goes on about how the doctor's teaching her to think of the scientific approach. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, he like he's teaching her and whatever. It's like 
is that big step up from you know previously the one teaching Leela was K9. Or like mm-hmm. oh coming up K9 will do a lot of the teaching, but like here sorry I got my stories out of order. Um coming up we'll see K9 doing a lot of the teaching with Leela or a lot of the educating of her. But here we see them doing it together, which is great. And I totally agree with you. His interactions with the other characters, Vincent Harker in particular, are fantastic. The way he is with the dickhead from the boat. Mm. I think because he just he has no time for him and he gives him absolutely zero maneuverability. He's just like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Harker. I'm talking to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. And I think, you know, for a for a post Sarah Jane story, mm. um, this is the Doctor in a good happy working relationship with everyone else and like i said we've got all the other stuff you know it's a creepy lighthouse you know combined space all that kind of stuff mystery whatever and he deals with all of that brilliantly um you know with the rank and file he's great with the lads in the lighthouse he's great like the only people he has an issue with are the rich fuckers from the boat that's Hmm. literally it and and even like the one thing then as well is like uh towards the end when uh skin sale like so the less dickheadish of the fucking mm. you know like he dies and i said that kind of in a very kind of greedy fashion mm. trying to recover and like, the doctor gives him dignity and death by saying he died a hero you know he yeah. died to buy his time so like there's yeah. that aspect of it as well yeah it does end as well with a little bit of a weird tone because the doctor's like laughing at something it's like mm. yeah everyone just died yeah, that's the opinion of that gallows humor. Don't <laughs> um, but no, I think it's it's great. Um, and like, I know you joked about it earlier as well, but like, one thing I I really do like, I'm I'm just kind of I'm happy to see is that your your best performances for Tom's run are actually a mix of the different eras, mm. and like. Because as we even said like that, okay, yeah, you can define it into three errors, but you can also do it into sort of like a one and a 1.5 because one would be Philip's error, but then the 1.5 would be Philip's error with Leela. Yes. Yeah. And Deadly Assassin, we had, you know, there was thoughts about mm. that and you were, but it's like the four stories afterwards where it was like, she, like she likes Leela. Like, that's all that was going through my head was like, mm. Fuck it, Lee, like Louise Jameson grabbed her. Fuck it, brilliant. Um, I will say one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do it intentionally, mm-hmm. but I do like that I have a Sarah Romana and Leela mm-hmm. in my in my in my three resources mm-hmm. because, like, like I kind of joked about it. My honorable mentions could have been the vast majority of his first batch of stories. I think the mm. only ones that probably wouldn't make it would be Mask of Mandragora, Android Invasion and Revenge of the Cybermen. Yeah. Those ones are kind of knit as stories and no, Tom is kind of, eh, he's alright. No. Um, I will say one other thing I want to put in honorable mention because you just reminded me of it. I don't know what it was you said. I don't know what you said that reminded me of it, but oh, no, I was talking about you know, Planet of Evil If you are someone who ships 
the fourth Doctor and Sarah, even though there's never an on-screen relationship between them, but that's a ship that you particularly fancy. Planet of Evil. Because Tom just gazes at Liz the whole fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also I love Planet of Evil, so yes, I yeah. forgot to include that in my honourable mentions. Um, but the best fourth Doctor performance mm. voted by many as the best fourth Doctor story, voted by many as the best classic story ever. We have Genesis the Daleks. And so Paddy, floor yeah. to you. Like, you could call it a cop-out, you could call it a fucking cliched answer. It's a cliched answer for a reason. It's a, mm. It is a fucking phenomenal story, start to finish. And... That is down to, look, there's multiple factors that make Genesis fucking brilliant story. The concept, the supporting cast, the main trio, the, the separation mm. of fucking Sarah Jane from the two lads doing their whole thing. Ian Martyr doing a fucking really good job. And I think where it comes down to things are... There's three moments that always stick out in my head when I think of Genesis of the Daleks from the Doctor's mm. perspective. One, the Doctor talking to the um, Khaled High Command, talking about the, what Davros has designed, but basically about the, the design of the Daleks. And it's just this wonderful... World War Two espionage debriefing session there, and the doctor, and just the way that like Tom delivers the dialogue, it, it's amazing. It's almost like the last level of a video game, you know. Mm. Uh so does that. The second thing is, <laughs> and like God, she here. Anytime he's fucking sitting across from Davros, anytime the two of them are locked in discussion. Be it about the, um, if you could, uh, if you if you had the uh, a virus that could destroy all of it, would you would you crack it? You know, that wonderful uh, exchange between the two of them. Okay, and then, do I have the right? That fucking sequence is brilliant, and it's aided by. Liz and Ian, Angel and the Devil on the shoulder, and like we talked about what was going through their minds, but he does raise like the very valid point, and it it's a point that you know it uh it goes through everyone's head like for like the, I think it was like the two biggest kind of sci fi questions like, in terms of alternate futures are would you go back and kill Hitler before World War Two, and would you go back and save Kennedy? I I think those are probably the two. But it's like Okay, potentially noble ideals, but you have no idea what the consequences of those actions would be for the rest of the world, you know? Mm. And there's been some very interesting spins on it in in like the terms of science fiction or anything like that. Um but you you take a look at you like you envision what like what could be, you know, like he says like you know, generations of people throughout the universe could grow up never fearing word the word Dalek. But think of all the fucking civilizations that will, like, unite. Think of former enemies putting down, like, you know, 
making alliance, like the peace that will come about in adversity against the Daleks. So the the benefit that they have given, it's just a wonderful sequence. It's a wonderful speech because it just it it makes you think, you know. Yeah. It 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 does, and I know that that sounds very kind of like it makes you think. You know, it 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 does. It makes you think about all the consequences and about the ramifications, the ripples that changes in time make, which is a message that has been there since the Aztecs. You can't rewrite history not one line. This is the doctor facing it. And he he doesn't necessarily rewrite it. He smudges the light a bit at the end, but that's because it was an accident. But from start to finish, it's just a fantastic performance. Yeah. I agree. I think one of the things I find most interesting about Tom's performance here is you know, we've said like we enjoy childish Tom for the most part. We enjoy, you know, irreverent tom or whatever the doctor for the most part is on focus on target for the majority of the story this isn't a happy slappy fun adventure for him mm-hmm. starting at the beginning because he didn't choose to go there in the fucking first place the time wasn't in there um and i think what almost makes that work to the better which is going to sound a bit strange given my absolute adoration of sarah jane is he spends the vast majority of the story teamed up with Harry. Mm. And this isn't them being funny. This is no place for making fun of Harry. This is the Doctor and Navy Sergeant Lieutenant Sullivan on a mission. They have a focus. The two of them work amazingly well in this story, which is why the whole ham-fisted idiot thing in Revenge of the Cybermen sort of hits wrong but here they work so well together like literally throughout even like when Harry gets his foot stuck in a giant clam the doctor doesn't make fun of him for it it's like come on lad we're you know we're here together Um, and I think having Harry with him for that first part I think almost does it the better because he doesn't have to protect Harry. Hmm. Well, he knows Sarah can take care of herself. She's also like little tiny and he instinctively would want to protect her anyway. Harry, he doesn't. And the two of them sort of just working together to complete a mission, I think is great. Later on, when he thinks that Sarah and Harry have died in that missile strike, his heartbreak, thinking they're gone, and then his relief and joy at finding out they survived, and that like really brusque, like slammed her into him hog that he did with Sarah Jane and whatever, is brilliant. Like you said, the scenes he has with Davros, and like there's something in here that, again, you know, I think it's it's interesting how this even evolves in terms of the Fourth Doctor. We're here. Sarah and Harry are being tortured. Because Davros realizes that Doctor has future information and he wants it. And they're being tortured, and they literally, like, we see the pain level increase for them once. And he's like, no. Fuck it. I'll deal with the ramifications later. And he concedes to prevent them from being hurt. And that scene is so raw. Because if you've, you know, Sarah being like, don't tell him anything or whatever. 
And we see that in later stories. Do you know? We see it with Romana later on being like, I'm not as important. Do you know whatever? Um, but to see it here with Harry and Sarah, you know, a couple of stories in, this doc this version of the doctor is still young. Do you know it's still his early days is great. Then, like you said, the do I have the right speech. So before I go into my thoughts on the do I have the right speech, I, I will just say that like I did have a bit of a comment back at the time where I think the have the, the do I have the right speech is a little bit undermined by episode six, where he just goes back in and ho hum to get connects together everything and whatever when he had this big. I think practically didn't think about like what really changes between the do I have the right speech in that moment um, what he's seen what he knows is going to happen his realisation I don't think I gave it enough credit when we talked about it the first time but that speech speaks to the heart of who the doctor is and where his line is when it comes to preserving life and like you said you know would you go back in time and kill Hitler? Would you go back in time and do whatever? But I like the fact that it's a serious struggle for him. He could have very easily gone one way or the other in that moment. Mm-hmm. You've got Sarah on one side fucking egging him on. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like she's like, of course you have to. Are you fucking serious? You have the opportunity to wipe out the Daleks. You have to do it. On the other side, you've got Harry silent harry who has likely seen war who's been in battle who you know he's in the navy he has served seeing things in a different way to the way the journalist sees it you've sarah on one side saying all this stuff you've harry on the other side completely silent and the doctor in the middle is going but do i do i have that right it's one thing for the Time Lords to say that he was sent back to stop the creation of the Time Lord, of of the Daleks. They made that decision far away on Gallifrey. I am here and now. I am not a committee. I am not a jury. I am not a judge. What right do I have to be the executioner? Do you know? And just the way Tom plays it is just, it's, it's brilliant. This story is considered one of the best stories of Doctor Who ever for a reason. And one of those reasons is the Doctor and Tom's performance. So is it any wonder that we ranked it as our best performance? Mm. Um, So I think in terms of looking back, I think, you know, Deciding what was going into this list was really hard mm-hmm. in some respects. Like the best stories was a fucking nightmare. Um, you know, I wanted to put Empire Planet for the the what's it for, but I wanted but again, Genesis was always there. Yeah. Now was I going to rank something higher than it? Because the fun performances are fun too. Do you know? This isn't to say that it's always the like serious performance. That's the, well, like, you know, well, the Oscar like, bait story isn't, isn't yeah. always going to be the best one. Oh, like, I, like at one point I was like, like Robots of Death was a contender, Ark in Space was a contender. Fuck it. Um, oh, there was another one. 
I think I had ter- I think I had terror the Zygons in there as well. I had Hand of Fear at one point. Yeah, sorry. No, that that was another one. It it, it was it was very difficult. It was very, mm. because even those were some stories that weren't like, there was some stories that were rated hugely high by us, mm. but his performance in them was great. Um Brain so, yeah. Morbius, another mm-hmm, mm-hmm. great one for Tom. Yeah. Um Face of Evil, even. Um, yeah. You know, very, very interesting story. Yeah. Very interesting story. Um, And then, like, for the for the worst episodes, uh, I think, sadly, there was a lot of lower-ranking episodes. And, mm. you know, I'll give a rundown in a second there of, like, what the average score was per season, just so people have an idea. But he has 42 stories. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> um, so before we get to what's the four, three, two, one in terms of rankings, mm-hmm. let's just because he's had so many stories, let's just give a a summary run through. So Tom came on board in season twelve. Our average ranking for season twelve was four point four five. I'm going to combine the two of us together to make this easier. Season twelve was four point four five. Season 13 was 4.19. Season 14 was 3.94. Season 15 was 2.65. 16 was 3.54. 17 was 2.67. And 18 was 2.93. Some great seasons, some not so great seasons. But the one thing I would say is that with 42 stories... There is something for everyone. Hmm. Whether oh. that's a particular companion that you, you like watching him with. Whether it's a particular era in terms of showrunner that you think is great. Whether it's just a particular type of story. Like, do you like the sort of gothic or, you know, the sort of um, you know, retellings of, you know, Frankenstein or the retellings of whatever. Do you like the space ones? Do you like the moral question ones? There's pretty much something for everyone in here, which in fairness, with you know, with some of the other doctors, we didn't get. Do you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing Tom doesn't get, which is unfortunate, and we know who to blame, is there's no pure historicals, which is sad. Yeah. I would want to see Tom in just a pure historical. I think it would have been great. Yeah, it would have been fantastic. I'm going to ask you first. <laughs> Hold out your suspense a little bit longer. Okay. Cool. How are you ranking them? So I think my uh, my four and my three are the same as they were the previous time. So number four is Patrick Troughton, and number three is John Pertwee. And. Like I'm not gonna lie, like it hasn't been easy. It really hasn't, and I've been trying to kind of make sure I'm making the right decision because it 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 can like it can turn on a dime, but I think in all honesty, number two is probably Tom, and number one goes to Bill Hartnell. 
I like I've loved Tom Baker's Doctor for Jesus. Like when we start when we started the podcast, I said I had like a fucking brief scattering of it. Didn't properly start watching him his era until I until we started being friends, you know? Mm. And it just reinforced the you know, the liking I had for him. And then with Bill's era, I was kind of like, I, I loved the first 16 and just kind of, eh, you know, afterwards, after Ian and Barbara left, interest wasn't there. Re going through the podcast, though, whatever about the, the stories, I fucking loved Bill Hartman's Doctor. There's just something so cheeky and warm and his anger is something it's his anger is like just beautiful to behold when it's directed at the villain his indignation is great and like we're what is it there now we're 17 years on or no hand what season do we finish on finish on 18 18 eight an 18 year run of a show granted now with multiple leads and i like we said before a lot of people put it down to Patrick Troughton really cementing it with the uh what is it? Oh, with the regeneration. That question isn't raised without the first three years. Mm. Like that question isn't raised without the work of Bill Hartnell. And yeah, I <laughs> so yeah, number one is number one, uh number two is number four, number three is number three, and number four is number two. <laughs> So go on, give it to me. In fourth position is number two. Yep. In third position is number three. Mm-hmm. In second position is number four. <laughs> and in first position is number one. I'm not going to lie, I had kind of come to that decision by the end of Leela. But I was waiting to see if Romanos could bring it back. Romanos could bring it back. And I thought Romano one would have it in the bag. And then we changed Romano two and then it just went off fucking it. Um but I need to differentiate between the fourth doctor's run mm-hmm. and the fourth doctor's person. Both separately put him in the number two spot by doing to differentiate between it because he has a much longer run than mm-hmm. Bill did and he's much more prominent obviously the way the episodes used to work the fact that Bill used to have stories off or like the majority of stories off we don't really get that with these current batch of stories the fact that Bill usually had more companions and so there was more going around him and obviously Bill's health particularly towards the end he himself was being phased out um I love Tom. I love Tom with Liz. Tom with Liz is... If it was just Tom with Liz versus Bill with Jackie and William Russell and, you know, either Caroline either or Maureen, either one would do, um, Tom would probably pick it to the post. But the difference is that while yes Tom had more stories 
than Bill had. And some of Bill's were stinkers as well. Do you yeah. know? Oh, <laughs> they yeah. weren't all fucking no, no, they rosy weren't. in the garden. Do you know what I mean? But the difference was that Bill's character, the Doctor, you hit on the head, he grew and he developed and he learned. The fourth Doctor never does. He resets himself continually. What growth has he had from when he became the fourth Doctor to when he's now becoming the fifth Doctor? Because Doc John cared about the universe. Doc John cared about his companions and wanted to see them safe. That didn't change. I would have loved to have seen Tom, you know, take, you know, interactions with Leela, the quote unquote savage, interactions with Romana, who, like Romana won, really liking the interaction. He had growth with Romana won, getting to trust her, helping her thaw herself a bit and whatever. But then Romana 2 comes along and this is obviously Tom's personal life weighing in as well and whatever. He just didn't seem to grow at all. I can't think of a lesson that Tom's doctor learned and retained. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bill's doctor clearly did. Like we have those first three the arc of those first three. And then we have the rest of the time with Ian and Barbara. Then the rest of his time with Vicky, I think, is very important. And then he's got his other companions coming in. And like you said, he's getting to realise that these people are transient in his life and he can show them a good time and then drop them off, whatever. I just think that Bill consistently is a... He's someone I like more (laughs) like after the first three it's very hard to find a story where Bill was an asshole Mm -hmm. and the first three him being an asshole was kind of part of the development yeah with Tom though there are several stories where he was an asshole Um, some of them small like I said pyramids he's kind of assholey in certain parts but then Invisible Enemy, Ryboss, Underworld, fucking Talons. I'm like, come on. What is this? And that's what really clinched it was the treatment of Leela. I was like, nah, I. Bill would never have treated her like that. And like, never. And, and like, that's the thing, like, one of those things that we talked about was that future representations of him paint him in a very different light. Like, throughout everything, Bill never said an unkind word to his female companions. He, like, no, he gave the lads, like, the fucking, the withering eye and, like, maybe, like, like, you know, the rough side of his tongue every so often. But even then there was still this he knew when to stop Mm. like with Bill Mm -hmm. we're going to excuse Susan for a second Mm -hmm. because until someone tells me otherwise Susan was his granddaughter they have their own thing Mm -hmm. 
right? Yeah. I know some people like to claim this is whatever. If you think about the interactions that the fourth Doctor has with his companions that we didn't like. Okay. The way he is with Harry. Kind of reminiscent of the way Bill is with Ian. But also not. It's a bit overly much. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, sometimes I sort of chalk it up to um, you know, he was taking Harry on a trip to the moon. Yeah. But then Harry's around and like he wants to be with Sarah's like, fuck off, Harry. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Um The way he treats Leela. You have Bill going to a planet where they think he's a god. I'm just seeing the impish smirk on his face <laughs> when he sees his face engraved on the side of a cliff. <laughs> he's just laughing his little ass off. Um, but he sees Leela and yeah, he might be like, you can't go around fucking killing people all the time. At the same time, though, he would never call her a savage. He like someone using the pacified fucking gun thing. He would mm-hmm. lose the rag altogether. If he met Romana one. Yeah, I think Romana one. He's sort of like, oh, you know, again, that icy interaction, which comes from her as well. You know, mm-hmm. there's yeah. an auto stamp. But then, if you think about the way he is with Vicky, do you know, the, you know, sharing knowledge with her and whatever. And again, actually, I just mentioned, Leela, the way he was with Katarina mm-hmm. for that very short amount of time. He didn't treat her as lesser than. He was aware of how she saw him as a god. And he kind of eased her out of it. Yeah. Do you know? Um, so yeah, it's like, like Tom Baker is amazing. Do you know? There's no denying that. The fourth Doctor, like the fourth Doctor, was my favorite up until, like I said, literally the whole Leela thing. Um, and for many people, they can't watch the black and white ones and whatever. That's fine because some people are too slow and they're too whatever. This isn't to take from Tom as an actor or Tom as a person and maybe it's just that he was there too long but there was the other side of it which I'm glad now I have an explanation for which is people saying that like Tom's later seasons he phoned it in I don't think that's strictly true but Tom's health issues and his personal issues, I think, affected the stories in a very different way to Bill's. Mm-hmm. Which is slightly unfair on Tom, because it's not his fault that he was so ill for his last season. Yeah. But as just a viewer, it's very different. So, yeah, did you... I wasn't sure if if Tom would drop for you. But I, I, it was kind of 70-30. I'll put it. 70% sure he probably would. But he's also Tom. I was like, okay, how about you? Do, are you surprised at all? Um, honestly, I, like, I'm, not, I'm not surprised, but I thought that if Tom had stayed on top, it would have been a very, very, very close margin. Mm. Like, it, it would have been. And I think 
as you said, if it had been Tom's first 13, which is his run with Sarah Jane, to build, I will say 17, because Time Meddler is, is entertaining. Fun, yeah. yeah, it's fun. You're right. Tom and Liz probably would have won out. But we get introduced to... Trope builds run. We're never introduced to another companion that, for me, supersedes my preferred, my favorite companions from that era. Mm. And we're not introduced to a character that shines brighter than the Doctor does at that time. Mm. In Tom's run, we're introduced to Leela and Romana one, two fantastic characters that at times outshine the doctor mm. for the significant parts of their runs. And then there is the whole aspect of, because of that, it almost feels like Tom is really against, or Tom's doctor is really against it. Mm. Like the first four Lila stories are brilliant, and there's like there's a weird, odd coupleish my fair lady fucking aspect to it, and it comes to a head in Horror Fang Rock, where they found their groove. They found it. It's brilliant, and then the rest of the season, with the exception for me for the Sun Sunmakers, is a complete fucking wash. Yep, which I, I suppose in many ways, like I mean, I'll put it to a different way. Verity versus Philip. Oh. So Philip Hinchcliffe has up until Horror Fang Rock. Yeah. Verity has up until when did Verity switch out? I think she bunked at she she I think she bunked at Time Meddler. Yeah. Yeah. Cause So if you if you if you take it to Horror Fang Rock. Yeah. I still think Tom may have picks him to the post if you include up to horror fine rock yeah no, no um, I... but after that it's not that after that is bad but no, it's because we, we problematic have, we have the key to time season which for the most yeah. part is brilliant um because like we've got mary tam giving her fucking socks and yeah like graham williams first season um it's it's not it's it's a very rough watch because of the complete fucking switch into the dynamic between the doctor and Leela and the introduction of K9 and this weird regression of the doctor. Yeah. And then everything after then the so the Tom's last two seasons, the introduction of Lala, Lala not being able to find the right direction for her and the writing not fucking like holding up well for her and some good story concepts I mean, like Nightmare mm. of Eden and fucking Horns of Nyman, fantastic Um, but then just the last season again it's so fucking up and down like what do we say we said um, Full Circle and Keeper Traken and Logopolis yeah Full Circle yeah, Circle Keeper Trek on Logopolis. 
Yeah. Then you've got Leisure Hive, which was fucking shit. Mm. Megalos wasn't much better. State of Decay, Warrior's Gate. And like, don't get me wrong now, as I said, season three, so uh, Bill's last season, it's, Mm. oh, there's some fucking rough ones in there. But there's some conceptually great ones. Like, yeah, like just just for context, right? So just to give people a little bit of of insight as well. So I gave the rundown of of Tom's seasons. Um, Bill has three seasons. End of season one is a four point one six. End of season two is a four point zero six. End of season three is a two point seven five. That was probably his lowest. But yeah. the gunfighters tanked that like there was absolutely no tomorrow. Yeah. Um. And then his first two of season four, Smugglers was a 3.88 and 10th Planet was a 4.25. So he ended on on a high, like mm-hmm. War Machines. I think we, it wasn't fantastic, but it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Savages, Savages, same. It really is the gunfighters sort of yeah. tanked it like there was no tomorrow. Um, whereas, you know, with Tom, there's a lot more ones and twos and yeah. you know and we, like and we, power of crawl two armageddon factor two and like we said about, creature from the pit destiny of the daleks yeah. like. oh, oh jesus destiny of the daleks but then we talked about like and if you talk about bill's last season as well is yes he's also saddled with companions that we're not overly fond of like steven and dodo really doesn't make an impact ben and polly come in on the war machines and then it's the upswing then because yeah. it almost feels like here's Barbara and Ian 2.0 to an extent you know mm. um, and like one story that we were very divided on was Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve because mm. it was like it's not really a Doctor Who story it's more of a historical fucking fiction but Jesus that fucking monologue that monologue at the end is amazing yeah it's brilliant and i actually watched on youtube uh someone else's review of it and much like ourselves they were kind of confused by the nature of the story and how it's left on steven's shoulders and there's some decisions that go that he makes that aren't fucking the brightest but jesus the monologue at the end the the heartache and the loneliness and everything that he goes through you know Mm. but yeah like I don't want this to be like you know. This was the question that was posed. Is the question that we need we knew we needed to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I will say, Doc Tom is a lot of people's favorite for a reason. Oh yeah, absolutely. Tom Baker's amazing, and thankfully, there is so much extended media with Tom. He's done so many audio stories with Big Finish. He did audio stories with the BBC. We've said we've said it several times before. I'm going to say it again. If you haven't read Scratchman, mm. Scratchman is great. Go and read it. You know, it's Fourth Doctor, Harry, Sarah. Harry is a little bit Revenge of the Cybermen, Harry, but mm. he has some good moments. It is a fantastic book that came from an idea that Tom and Ian had. Yeah, do you know so? Don't want to end on too much of a downer by us saying that we put oh, yeah, oh, no. spot. No, but like, this is the thing now, right? Is that yes, he is in the number two spot. 
but that, it's a it's a fucking very high number too, you know. And like he's got a wealth of stories there that we fucking adored, and yeah, so like it's and he's still like he's still a top five doctor, <laughs> like mm-hmm. because see, this is the thing is that we're now moving on to someone that you haven't seen before, Peter Davison someone that I have seen but didn't probably leave the most memorable remark on me but we're moving on down the line we've got 13 or what was it now we've done four we've nine other doctors to go through and I think for a lot of people a top three top three or top five is where the thing is I've I don't see Tom dropping from the top five spot I don't either I don't either but then again I've never seen Patrick Dritton or not Pastor. I've never seen Peter Davison. I've Peter never Davis. seen Colin Baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Paul is waiting ardently for me to get to Colin. <laughs> and and um, P- you've got P- Peter, Peter and Colin, he's really looking forward to seeing. But. Yes. Next time, we won't be talking about Peter. <laughs> no, we won't. We'll tease it out another bit longer. No. Uh, next time, we're going back to Sarah Jane. Mm-hmm. And K9, mm-hmm. a version of, in the pilot for a spin off that didn't get picked up, which is K9 and Company. And that'll be a special rambling next time. And then we have to take some time off because I have a wedding. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get to Peter. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, the following week you're taking out because I have a wedding. Then I'm taking that week off because I also have a wedding. So, yes. <laughs> I think we'll probably be starting the spooky season with Peter. Yeah. Until then, though, bye-bye. Bye-bye.